This week on a very special Lord of Grantham podcast, we revisit the first Downton Abbey film in preparation for a new era. How does it hold up on a rewatch? What are some of our favorite parts? What would we have changed? What's a little weaker on the second go around? Let's find out this week on the podcast. series is over for the second time and we're back again to discuss the first Downton Abbey movie. Corey, how's it going? It's going great, Dave. How about you? It's good. Uh, spoiler alert for those listening. We're, we're compounding our episode, so we recorded yesterday our series finale, so this is not a big mm-hmm. turnaround for us, so excuse our lack of banter <laughs> if we don't have much yeah. to update you on because it's only been 24 hours went in from one to the other and I was actually kind of enthusiastic about this man I, I was kind of stoked to just finish the finale and just tee up the movie this is great <laughs> yeah I, I don't remember exactly what our timetable was the last time but there was definitely a week or two in between finishing the show wrapping up the power right. rankings going to New York to go to the the Downton Abbey live thing and then yeah, more than a few movie. weeks so it, yeah yeah what we did the there was a lot of stuff challenge in there, you know, uh, the character tournament. Like, we really did and thoroughly covered Downton. So there was a big gap between one and the other. And I feel like this 24-hour period is is interesting, to say the least. Sure. It definitely yeah. it feels like a finale to a season premiere in a lot of ways. I could, Yeah, but like both of those things, like a lot of new beginnings and a lot of things wrapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, this is, uh, I feel like this is like a treat. <laughs> like, it really is just like a cherry on top of everything. This is, I mean, because I feel like when the movie first came out, there was so much hype in, in the moment. You kind of almost just lose track of how it fits in with the larger narrative mm-hmm. within Downton Abbey. It's like, you're just happy to see these people again and just, you know, curious to see what's been going on. But the one thing that struck me this time with watching the movie, and we're just going to go straight into the discussion of Downton Abbey the movie, is just... It really does fit of a piece with the TV show. It really is. A, you, you know, sometimes you see some growing pains, like you know, the Simpsons movie or something like that, or uh, I'm trying to think of other ones, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or what have you, that <laughs> become like a, a movie. It, it doesn't fit in with the, the larger narrative. This just feels like a continuation, you know? And uh, Julian definitely has experience writing movie scripts and the freaking Christmas specials are our 90 minutes themselves, but... I really appreciated the economy with which he included all the characters, gave them their due, um, and really kind of moved things forward a little bit, kept the story going. Yeah, and and while I don't disagree with what you're saying, it is almost to the detriment of the movie that I feel like doing paying fan service to all of these characters leaves a lot of the heavy hitters in the in the shadows for a lot of this movie. I think and we'll we'll get into that. But, you know, is is that Julian's choice or is that <laughs> the actors or what? Or, uh, you know, I don't even know really where to start with this movie. Because, like, one of the things about this, this Down Abbey movie is it stacks in a lot of plot lines. <laughs> There's yeah, a lot yeah. going on here. It, it, it's kind of funny to think going into this movie when it came out, we were kind of fussing, like, wait, there's no Dr. Clarkson? There, there's no Willis? There's no Rosamond? <laughs> well, I mean, we know where exactly where Willis would have gone. 
where he should have gone. <laughs> he should have been in this movie. He should have been in that exact scene. Should we just talk about the first act? Yeah, let's get into it, man. So the man on the train, our proverbial Bates of the film, Mm -hmm. is this guy. um, Major Wodeman? Yep, who uh, is coming to (laughs) Dallas. What a name. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. we don't need to beat around the bush. The king and queen are coming as part of their visit of of the area. They're going to stay at Dallas. They're doing their tour. Major Chetwood, I'm sorry, that's his name. Chetwood. 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 And this guy taps into Branson, who is, you know, living his dream life in the auto mm-hmm. body shop. And he says, you know, he Branson thinks he's an agent who is just sort of feeling out how deep his Republican opinions are and, yep. and maybe reporting back to the government. But in fact, this guy is a Republican himself who wants to assassinate the king. <laughs> that I mean, as we find out, that is exactly the case. He, he has uh, uh, some sinister motives in mind. And this is, this is it's entertaining, but I can't say I, I really enjoy this plot, especially on a rewatch. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, so let's break it down, because one of the <clears throat> things that the movie's doing is trying to invoke that premiere uh, where... You know, we get the opening notes uh, of John Lund's uh, score. It sounds amazing in the film. I, I love mm-hmm. the way they kind of redid it to really amp up the drama. Uh, but we see a man coming on the train, and as we know in the series premiere, that's that's Bates, and he's got a past, and we want to learn more about him. There's an air of mystery about him. And that's what they try to do here with Major Chetwood. Chetwood, what a, what a name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the thing is, there's not much there to this character. Uh, he, he's literally strolling in to assassinate the king and queen and he's gone halfway through the movie it, mm-hmm. it just feels like they're teeing up a lot more than what we get with, from this character yeah I feel like his sole purpose is to cast doubt in in Branson which I think it's, is the one false note of the movie actually casting doubt on Branson absolutely and, and it's played multiple times over yeah I, I mean if anything, the last season and a half of Downton is Branson proving his faith and loyalty to the family. You know, mm-hmm. Him returning is almost like him just, you know, just being done with his past and being part of them. So to go through this and reinterrogate this in the movie is like, do we really want to do this? And you can kind of see what Julian's trying to do. He's trying to ramp up, up the tension here or, or mm-hmm. some drama with this assassination plot. But that is the one thing where it's like, really? Oh, yeah. This is terrible. <laughs> oh, you and think the, it's terrible? And the fact that... Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's enjoyable. It's probably the worst part of okay. the movie. Um, so he has, like, the first sequence where he meets the guy, and then he sort of susses him out. And then there's the scene where Mary and everyone are setting up the chairs in the field. And, mm-hmm. and Branson just walks through the field, cuts through the field, and Mary's like, what's he doing? It's like, just ask him. Yell at well, him. Is it, it's also a thing where it's kind of very poorly laid out where the guy introduces himself to Branson and Branson's like, who are you? Oh, I'm just a guy you'll see around. You want to get a drink sometime? <laughs> it's like, and Branson well, feels like he, he's indebted to this guy to get a drink with him. Right. When they don't even know each other, he's just introduced himself for some reason. For some reason, he knows who Branson is just because his car company, I guess, but it's very forced <laughs> their interactions. Uh, and, even then, they get a drink together, and Branson is like, I don't really like this guy. He, he represents things I, I'm done with. But he keeps drinking with this guy, and, and, and as you were saying, later on, he's, he's stumbling, he's walking across the field from getting drinks, all, and I wish, 
it's a missed opportunity to just have Branson just really sloshed in the pouring rain, just had a few drinks, just stumbling and slipping and sliding on his way back to, to Downton. And that would be a fun... You want to talk about casting doubt. Why don't you have him fall face down in the mud and Mary goes to save him and he's blackout drunk, sort of rambling <laughs> about this fanatic Republican. And that gives us a reason for Mary to, to believe that he's a, gone back to his old ways rather than... He had she a never few even shots asked of him. <laughs> he got some Guinness down, you know. Oh, <laughs> you could smell it on his breath. Why not? Uh, yeah, yeah. Make it a little bit more fun than this than it was. <laughs> yeah, it's too straightforward. It's not saucy enough. Like all you need to do is is up the intrigue a little bit, and you've got yourself a great subplot. Well, it's it's strange too because you know the the king and the queen are are, are going on their parade, and we have. Branson following this guy, he doesn't know exactly what this man is up to, but he knows he's up to something. Mm-hmm. And Mary follows him. He's like, "What are you doing here, Mary?" And then they're in the middle of an assassination plot. <laughs> it's like, "How did we get here?" Well, it's well, funny because he he's he's like, "Meet me here, and don't bring anybody." And then mm-hmm. he meets him, and so his whole plan is to thwart whatever he does. But he has no. Yeah. What if this guy's got a got shooters on the roof? Also, what is Chetwood's plan exactly? Because he's, he's trying to win over king. Branson, but. But he's trying to get Branson to like help him out. Every step of the way, Branson's like, I don't know about you, fella. <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I like the and cut of your he, jib, Chetwood. Exactly. Yeah. So, so does he? this Chetwood guy actually think the day of, Branson's going to show up and just be, be packing heat? the king uh, with you? Amongst, yeah. Like, what? He, he never for a second convinces Branson to help out. And then he involves him in this plan that then he gets, you know, foiled on. And you look at Branson... By the way, Alan Leach got in tremendous shape for this movie. He looks jacked, baby. He oh, yeah. is in great shape. <laughs> Fantastic since the last time we saw him in this, the show. You think you can take this guy if you have to you know, get cornered by him in an alleyway? No, he is putting you down, brother. You are going down. Yeah, and Mary and, and the cops. Sergeant Willis is not included. <laughs> Sergeant Willis is absolutely not included. What is going on there? Maybe he got fired. That's entirely possible. That That is entirely possible. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, it was actually a little disappointing seeing that Branson got him to the ground, but he needed. But it was, I mean, it was nice that Mary brought the assist. But it's like, man, Branson, you could totally just own this guy if you wanted to. You kill him. You kill him. <laughs> Absolutely, he's got a right hander in him. I know he could really punch him. Uh, but yeah, Mary kicks the gun away. They save the day. The king does not get assassinated, and no one needs to know because it's going to be swept under the rug. It's for no one to ever speak of again. Oh yeah. <laughs> what is going on here? Well, how did how did you feel this time around with the king? So. I know the first time we watched the movie, we were like, this is just not Downton. And especially even more this time. I was just like, this has nothing to do with This is just padding. This is just glorious padding <laughs> to a two-hour... I mean, the series finale is hour 37. This is two hours and like two minutes or so. You trim this whole plot and it's the series finale. <laughs> I mean, close. You, cl- you you trim off any of the king and queen stuff and princess, you the are. princess stuff can absolutely go. It does nothing good. <laughs> What is well? Let's move on to that. Why don't we just yeah address all the king and queen stuff in the room? Well, the king, the, how how funny is it that the king is Bannister mm. from the Gilded Age? That I I, I said I know this guy. That's so right. You're so right. I didn't I didn't even key in on that. That is that is kind of funny. <laughs> I went to IMDb is, and I was like, I know this picture too. And then I was like, Oh, it's Bannister. Duh. The guy who helps the the Agnes and Ada, right? Um, yeah, the one who household. takes takes the the Russell money to be the butler for a day. What a demotion from king to I know, just that's what I was butler. thinking. <laughs> I think it's funny because I feel like Julian has his people, 
you know, God knows you can't give John C. another role, but you can give Bannister two big breaks. He plays the king, and then he plays the English housekeeper, or butler. So yeah, the, do you think Julian even puts the pieces together? He just casts these people. And is like, oh, <laughs> isn't that? Funny? I think so. I think so. <clears throat> okay. I mean, you put John C. in English game, so yeah, yeah, that's that's true. <coughs> Sorry. Think just about our of, man. Yeah, just thinking thinking about the banisters and yeah. Anyways, though, yeah. So the princess, uh, wh- what's her name again? Princess Kate. Is it Princess Kate or Princess Mary? Princess Kate, I believe. <coughs> Let me take. So a the look. daughter, of the, the princess, daughter of Princess the Mary. You're right. Sorry. Okay. Okay. I don't know where where the Kate comes in, but yeah, Kate Phillips princess is Mary. the actress. Okay. She's the she's just the daughter, and we get a few fleeting scenes with her. So uh, Cora. With Edith and Mary get gets invited to spend some time with Princess Mary, mm-hmm. and just have the kids interact and have some fun. And all we learn from that scene is things do not seem right between her <laughs> and her husband. No, they're at odds. And that's it. That's it. We get we get one scene after that where, uh, I mean, the king and queen come to visit Danton, but but Princess Mary just finds a bench by herself by a tree to sit by yeah well we see that there's a scene where where they say well is your is your husband going to be joining us and she's like yeah he should be here he said he was going to if he can mm-hmm. so he doesn't he's a big rule follower and he's a lot older than her yeah he's significantly older caught that but uh yeah branson sees her he doesn't recognize her doesn't know who she is yeah and uh <laughs> sits beside her <laughs> and just, you know, tells her about the importance of family, you know? Yeah, real uh, Dom Toretto moment. You, you don't walk out on family. But in, and then it, then Princess Mary winds up staying with her bad husband, her mean husband, and says that yeah, I mean, she wants to make it work. It's like, huh? There's no moment where we see any reconciliation between the two. I don't even know if her husband speaks a line in this movie at all. Well, yeah, I think they're dancing, and she's like, "Well, he does speak the line where he says the kids can't be in here at this point of the day." Great, which is a great line. Great job establishing him. You know, I know this is based on a real thing, and I know it's kind of funny to think that Republican Branson is is influencing history. But I don't know. I have a really tough time with with and and obviously Julian plays with history a lot in the Gilded Age, but. Yeah. In this instance, I I could care less. Like I really feel like this is a waste of time. All it does is serve to highlight how Branson is a good guy. That he may be Irish, but he's part of the Granthams now, as he tells her, and that's family. Yeah, he's a Crawley boy. And, and it's it's funny. Like the other thing is, she tells her husband, "We have to change, both of us." I don't even see what the inkling is about her that she needs to change. It seems like she's trying. <laughs> it's just guy who's not trying. Uh, and I don't and even know if she's trying. I think she, it, it's a compromise. We don't know she, enough. We don't know enough to for this to be a plot point for the king to go up and thank Branson for saving his family. Like, and, huh? and maybe that's on us for not knowing the history here. I'm sure there's a lot of casual. But Don Abbey never know. plays with history in a in a so pointed sense. Sure. When the trailer came out for this movie and they said the queen, king and queen are coming to Downton, I would say if you are not an Anglophile, if you're just a Downton Abbey fan, you definitely didn't go and pick up a history book and read about the king and queen at that point in time. 
it's just like, oh, this is a fun thing to move our favorite characters. Like, I know, and I guess this tonal shift probably reflects that Julian was writing the Gilded Age at the time, and having a hand in history means something to him. But Mm -hmm. totally out of the out of nowhere, and to the detriment and the runtime of this film, it's like it totally not needed. I did enjoy (laughs) Branson not knowing who she was. That was (laughs) maybe the only good part going on and then yeah he sees her at the party and he's just kind of amused like oh wow <laughs> good thing I didn't say the wrong thing right there <laughs> yeah <clears throat> but uh that's that I mean what else is there let's not dwell on this too much because we do have a lot of fun stuff to discuss in this film I mean is that it with the king and queen they come around and uh everything I mean, in terms of that family. well I mean they're heavily affected by all of the goings on downstairs Sure, they're the catalyst for a lot going on. Yeah, and I feel like upstairs, there, I feel like there's not much of a... Obviously, there's the Imelda Staunt and the Lady Bagshaw stuff. Mm-hmm. But aside, I feel like the Lady Bagshaw stuff ropes everybody who's not Branson in. And that is like the entirety of the upstairs plot of the film. And it does eventually rope Branson in. <laughs> it does, yes, exactly. And and yeah. one thing that I did notice in this 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 is definitely like a three pronged movie where we have mm-hmm. the assassination attempt, Lady Bagshaw and Lucy, and the downstairs drama. And I feel like yeah. that's the whole movie. And and there's like a twenty minute blow off of a party. <laughs> exactly. And and this is one of those things that Downton is is usually so good at interweaving plots that mean something. That this does mm. feel like there's a lot left on the table as far as moving characters. Like, we do say this is an appropriate adaptation, unlike a Simpsons movie where you do the, you know, under the dome plot or something like stupid like that. But it, yeah. it does feel like if you were to say this was the premiere of the next season or this is the first two episodes of the next season, I wouldn't be thrilled with it. I think nostalgia goes a long way. Yes and no. I. The, the the yeah there are little beats missing like them like we I think we only get like one real <clears> dinner <throat> scene between them because so much down is just them talking at a dinner table uh, yeah I, I think there's a lot there with Mary taking on the ownership of of Downton, but it's not given enough, enough lip service mm-hmm. it, it really kind of comes up out of the blue like halfway through the movie where Mary's like I don't know if I want to run Downton. I don't know if this is the life for me. And then Anna just puts her in her place real swiftly, like, no, you will. Great speech by Anna. Again, this is incredible performance from her. (laughs) And then the Dowager basically doubles down on it at the end and says, I'm dying. You got to do it. It's up to you now, dog. (laughs) Which is, I think, again, this is uh, having just watched the season finale or the series finale, the Dowager grappling with becoming not necessarily irrelevant, but becoming a true sort of background supporting player rather than an alpha in her own right. Mm-hmm. It's understated, and it's un- and, and this movie tries to launch her back into controversy, and I'm sure the sequel does it too. But you know, for for someone whose whole thing is that she's grappling with her place as an aging human, it's like okay, you just tell your granddaughter that she's she's the boss now. It's like oh okay. Mm. Well, I mean, she, she the one thing I feel like there's. I wish she could have angled her way in there a little bit more. Is so why don't we just talk about it with the the whole inheritance? So the lady in waiting, the the queen's helper, 
uh, Melda Staunton. Yeah. Bagshaw. Uh, so she is the cousin of the great uncle. Of, of she's the Robert's cousin. Yeah, Robert's cousin. She's a direct line to Robert because she's about that age. Yeah, and and so she has an inheritance, but the Dowager thinks it should go to Robert. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we soon learn she's estranged from the family, partially, I think, because of the Dowager's doing of trying to get a hold of that money in some ways. Uh, but she intends to give the money to her 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 own helper, her own aide. Yeah, Lucy, her her. Yeah, whatever her maid, her, Ill- her illegitimate child. That was what we learn in yep. the movie. <laughs> uh, who's the who's yeah. the who's the father? Because I mean, she's a she's a looker. I I don't know, man. I, you look at Robert; he's a looker. It just runs in the blood. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, it's kind of in the background this plot line in a lot of ways, where they're and, just kind of referencing it it never it never reaches a boiling point it feels like in terms of no the drama there. exactly and i think we can all see the writing on the wall mm-hmm. i mean the, i think if branson didn't fall for lucy this would be a very silly fruitless plot where and and, and that's the thing where i think i you kind of mm-hmm. hope for a little bit more because at the end of the movie or close to the end of the movie the, the dowager is saying how she needs to kind of finagle it so Branson gets with this girl because then that's their way into the inheritance somehow and it's like I would love to see those machinations of the Dowager trying to set up Tom uh, with Lucy but instead he just kind of bumps into her after bumping into the princess <laughs> mm-hmm. and and then they just hit it off yeah um, and, and going off of that I feel like this is a logical and human plot but it's also one of those things that I think there's a real opportunity for Daisy or not Daisy, um, Edith Daisy. to be involved in this because oh really, this is a a, a story about an an a, another aging woman and her you know late in life coming to terms with the fact that her illegitimate child is going to inherit and hmm. I feel like Edith is obviously the mother of an illegitimate child, similar upbringing where where uh, Bagshaw says that she goes to America to give birth to Lucy and to raise Lucy and bring her back discreetly. Just like Edith went away to give birth to Marigold and, and, and all of that drama that ensues. I think there's a lot on the table there with Edith. And I think Edith's plot with Birdie and being pregnant and the King, which is again, a very sort of simple plot. Um, Edith, I think would be just better fit for this plot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, you make some interesting points there, and I think they could still theoretically tackle that in a new era. But uh, yeah, it, a lot of I feel like a lot of interesting ideas are raised there with that that storyline, you know, of mm-hmm. potential drama that they just don't have enough time to get to it. Yeah, which, and I think I think you would if you were to bring it up and maybe have the Dowager have a gut reaction of like being angry, but they don't have enough time to make her have that sort of selfish intent. So all that happens mm-hmm. is they find out that Lucy's bagshaw's biological child and everyone goes oh that's so sweet we're sorry we interfered we didn't mean to and then that's it well the dowager's kind of like well we gotta figure out some way to get this money still it's not right that it's going to go down she, this yeah, way she just throw it in the bag get, get, let's get branson over here yeah I, I do like that there's a few interactions between the dowager and isabel where isabel's like man you still you still are the same kind of woman and dowager's like i wouldn't be anything else <laughs> i'm glad that isabel and lord Merton are just sort of just still living the anemia is, is fine. 
Well, that was one thing I was wondering about, and that, we'll get to that in our predictions, but it's like, will that an, an, anemia return for Merton? Will, will it? Maybe. We'll talk about more, but let's not it, let's not spoil some content for next week. I, I, it's funny. Merton doesn't do much in this movie. He, I mean, he's, he's actually, he made it on posters for the movie, which is wild. But the only thing he actually does in this movie is when uh, Mary's like, well, I got to go get the chairs. Merton's like, hip, kip, 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 let's go. Let's, let's do this. And Robert's down and it's like, all right, Merton, he's got some spring in his step. He wants to yeah. go out in the rain and fetch some chairs. Let him do it. The only I'm thing a, he does. Obviously, you know, I think we, we both have come around on Merton as a character. So, well, yeah. But again, if you were to tell me what characters do not need screen time and do not need plots, I would say oh, Lord Merton's good. He doesn't need much. Yeah, that, that's all we needed was that line or so. Um, but I feel like, I think we, how else can you really talk about these upstairs things? It's it, We've really covered it. Well, Edith is the last thing we have. Oh, talked Edith, about. yeah, Edith and, the, and Birdie and the. Well, well, well. Before we get to Edith, Henry Talbot, they make allusions like, "Oh yeah, he'll, oh, yeah, he'll yeah, show yeah. up," <laughs> and then he literally shows up. There's a half hour left in the movie. Hops out of his car. Does happy nothing. To see you. <laughs> he has like two lines. I think he's dancing with Mary. Glad to see he's in the picture. Yes. We, do we even see much of the kids? I think there's a they're, scene where they're, they're, there. they're there. But they're not involved. Yeah. Again, we don't. I don't want the kids involved in these plots yet. I don't need <laughs> child plots. I see Mad right. Men. I don't need weird son plots. All right. Uh, but yeah, Edith. Uh, and Bertie. Everything seems to be going great. Edith is the one driving the car sometimes. She's. We see Edith is a little overwhelmed by this new lifestyle. Yeah. yeah she didn't sign up. I mean, she time. signed up for it, but she didn't anticipate it being so rigid and tough on and her the movie looks incredible by the way but when they have like the wide shot of her castle it's like oh my gosh she's really like, living why didn't you get well married at why didn't you get married at the hexham house absolutely right um yeah so the big thing there is that the king has invited uh birdie to go on or no is, it, is the prince has invited so him the, to go on the a, king the king sits with with birdie and basically says you have a really good relationship with my son. He's going on this tour. I really think you would be a great positive influence on him. And the son again that we never hear about. He's just a, a terrible husband. No, no I think <laughs> to, to must, I think it's another son. Really? I, I don't think it's some fifty-five-year-old man who's going <laughs> on, okay. on a, a trip. If it was, All I right. think they would pay a little bit more attention to that guy. Um, sure. Yeah. So I, it's the prince is going on a tour, and mm-hmm. it's a three-month tour. And they want Birdie to be the, the the sort of moral peacekeeper because he gets along yeah. so well with his son. And Birdie's like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. And Edith is like, oh, I'm pregnant. Well, she doesn't say pregnant. She says, I might be pregnant. Uh-huh. She, it's not confirmed. She says, I might be pregnant. But they take that might be and they stretch it a long ways. <laughs> uh, because soon enough, Birdie has to tell the king, like, I don't think I can make that trip. Uh but he doesn't and say it like that. He says, my wife is no. pregnant and she's going to be giving birth around the time that the trip leaves. And, and the king is like, that's great. Maybe yeah. that's an even an even better thing for you to bring to my son on this trip. And Bertie's like, yep. eh, you missed the point. Yeah. And you know what's wild? is I don't think we get a scene where Edith even tells Robert and Cora that she's pregnant. Yeah, somebody, I, somebody talked to the queen, though. I believe it's Cora. Yes. 
off screen talks to the queen and then the queen tells the king and Maybe. the king says to Bertie. No, I, I thought it was like the the king told the queen somehow or something like that. Cuz I, I don't I don't feel like we get confirmation from either either way. I feel like we're missing a moment where Edith is like I'm pregnant and they're happy for her. <laughs> the family, yes. We the Yeah. But you know, Edith had the whole finale of the show. It'd be so hilarious though if the movie let her sit in the background. Get, it'd be hilarious if we get to a new era and like, oh no, she actually wasn't pregnant. It was just, you know, she was late. <laughs> and Birdie, Birdie Made totally is, is blackballed from, from any royal engagings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, sorry, man, you screwed you it was your decision to not go. He took that maybe and just ran with it. Yeah. Uh, but I think that effectively covers like the upstairs drama. I mean, Tom meets this Lucy girl and they go out for a, a dance on, on the promenade, you know, they're very pretty. Very well, you know, one thing is they, they don't shy away from the budget and the visuals in this movie. It's a very pretty movie. Looks fantastic. It, they definitely did not shoot the entirety of the, I mean, they, they go somewhere else for the, the ball, but like, even when they have individual scenes inside the rooms, the way it's colored outside, it doesn't look like they filmed it entirely at High Clary. Like, it just looks too well Yeah, I'm well sure the, 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 just the equipment must have been that much more uh, involved. So, yeah, I would, I would take a gander that it's a set for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. The downstairs yeah. stuff, though, is really yeah. Andy's I think the, the first fun. character we see on screen. Isn't that kind of crazy? Like this bit character from season six is the the first reintroduction we get. I I, I, I kind of that's actually a smart choice. Slow roll it so you know you can really bring everyone back in. You know. Yeah, yeah, and Andy's fine. Got you know, still well, we get still, Barrow immediately after. Yeah, Barrow is a. He's like, oh boy. This 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 letter is something. And this is the good like chain of command for Down. Andy's like, thanks for the mail. Mr. Barrow, check it out. Hey, Robert, check this out. And then Robert's like, good golly, the king and queen are coming to Downton. <laughs> the other thing that's a little bit out of step with this the series is there seems like they hired more help somehow since the series ended. Because Yeah, the big all the red shirts are, are showing up. Yeah, they were pairing down staff by the end of the series, but somehow they came into the money, I guess, and were able yeah, to... Yeah, Mary, you know, Mary and Bran- Branson are doing great work as the agents. Yeah, Talbot and Branson are doing great with their car shop, maybe, or something. Maybe, yeah, they're subsidizing. They're paying off Robert. They're paying yeah. rent. <laughs> Somehow. Uh, but it definitely looks busier downstairs. Yeah. So busy that it takes 13 minutes for Anna and Bates to to have lines. And it's not even, like, impactful lines. It's like, oh, hey, we're here. We exist. Hello. We're still working here. Confirm that <laughs> <Yeah>. we're here. <laughs> yep. We get Mr. Bakewell gets more to do than than Mr. Bates. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. But but uh, yeah, I mean the news starts to spread about the king and queen coming to visit. Barrow, he seems, I don't know. I think Barrow know. I, I Barrow obviously has his moment, but I think Barrow sees the writing on the wall of how the royal servants are going to run the show. And just yeah. sort of surrenders to that, and then they take it as a like disservice. Yeah, like he's not too interested in this whole thing. Where he like because the one interaction he has with Mary, where he's like cleaning the the stuff downstairs, that's where she sees like red flags. But really, he's just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> they're gonna pick what they they use, and then we're gonna yeah. do it. Right. But Mary's and like, so, no, 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 I don't want that. I want an old man with 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 the palsy. <laughs> The palsy. 
<laughs> not to laugh at the, the at palsy, but the way he says the palsy, uh, which cured. You just, just like Bates pull- is uh, with the cane. Yeah, you start pulling up carrots in the yard and stuff. You're healthy. No stress. He's sitting out there drinking. He's having something to smoke. He looks like he's lost a few pounds. He yeah, looks like he's, he's chilling. He's lost a few stones. Uh, but it definitely misses Dowen, Carson. Yeah, so when Mary comes to talk to him and give him the, hey, you know, great scene from the trailer, mm-hmm. that, look, Barrow's not cutting it. You want to come back and do this? He says, I'll be there first thing in the morning. <laughs> and he was like, oh, come on, man. You're he's, retired. He holds his hands out and starts shaking. He's like... <laughs> I can't wait to spill wine on the king. I just like how he was just like kind of just like rolling her eyes at this. Like this, she's like, I see enough of you. This marriage isn't even working. It's not even so because yeah, it's not even so much that he's being asked back into duty. Is that Mary asked him to do something and he's like, I got to do it for Mary. And she's like, Man, you do anything for Mary. Why can't you do the dishes for me? Why don't you sleep the floors? She's like, You don't need to spend all your day gardening. I can bring cooked food for Mrs. Patmore, and you could be helpful around the house and cook and clean and clean why don't you make the bed things and carson's like no 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 we need (laughs) these carrots (laughs) uh so yeah we we do get that great shot that's in the trailer and everything him walking back to down it's almost like vince mcmahon-esque like he's got the gorilla swinging arms (laughs) like he's walking back into the office yeah he means business carson and he pretty much immediately relieves Barrow of duty. He's like, I'm, great, I'm supposed great to be. Great scene, though. Great oh, scene. Oh, yeah. Barrow is, down. Barrow is on fire when they call him. And he's like, oh, hey, man. You can see, like, he seems, the baby face turn is complete where he sees Carson. He's like, Mr. Carson, what brings you here? And Mary's like, hey, he's going to help take over while the royalty is here. And Barrow's like, uh-uh. Yeah. I'm so you're telling me that I have to step down and be demoted because of this? I'm call me when when they're done. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this. Which is such a great moment where Mary asks Robert, "Are you going to sack him?" and he's he says, "I'm actually impressed." Which he says, "I never thought he was a man of principle." He's a <laughs> so snake. good. It's so true. I but mean, Barrow has got like that? 30 seconds of like unbridled just I've worked. I've worked my tail off for this job. You're gonna knock me down because of this? Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. And it's it's very in line with where we left him on the show. Of like, you know, he put in his dues at Down, and then they didn't even want to keep him around. And he takes pride in his work. At the end of the day, he may be a bit of a snake at times. He's not that so much anymore. But he always seems to take pride in the work that he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Barrow decides to to shove off and have some of the best subplots of the movie. Ride but shotgun, yeah. Carson Carson is now back in charge, and the the furnace is busted. <laughs> Tony Selleck is in in the house to fix it. Then he keeps going. He says, "Who's my point person?" It's this little mousy c- cook, second cook. Yeah, Daisy. What's uh, Daisy still doing there? She can get a job at another house as the head cook. She could just work with Mister Mason on the farm. <laughs> There's plenty of opportunity for her. Clearly, Pat Moore's got hair it looks under great control. though. She finally got her got it in shape. Yes, uh, and after she's, that finale, she's allegedly engaged to Andy, but she won't set mm-hmm. a date, and he's frustrated for obviously many reasons that a adult man would be frustrated that his fiance does not want to get married. Mm-hmm. And then this hunky repairman, this furnace repairman, comes and he's like, "I got you." 
I'll do it. <laughs> just keeps clicking his, his tongue at him. Uh, and, you know, they have some fine chemistry, but there's nothing that's going to happen there. This Tony Selleck guy is just there to make Andy get hot and jealous. Rightfully uh, so, though, because I feel like Andy's getting screwed here. This man, he, well, he wants to be getting screwed, and he's not. So I, I'm definitely Andy on, wants to be getting screwed? I'm on Andy's side with all of this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think when he goes and he takes the wrench to the, the furnace, I'm not there for that, but I'm on Team Andy this whole way through. Right, so he does take a wrench to the furnace to set back Tony a little bit in his work because uh, he's really frustrated and jealous. Um, but they get it fixed, and Andy has a heart-to-heart with Daisy where he, he says he admits to it that he you know, hit the furnace. And, and she's like, oh, she, I really like that you did that. It really shows that you love me. And he's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I like the callback, too, that she references, like, are we? should we be so excited that the majesty is here? I'm not I'm not too hot on them. And I'm kind of actually happy that you almost ruined the day for them here. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice callback to her kind of more, uh, you know, rebellious streak that she showed on the show. Especially towards the end. It's consistent at the very <laughs> least. But still, Daisy is... Stringing yeah. this poor young man along, and we don't get enough time. Pat Morse telling her, "Marry him already. You've been down this yeah. road. Yeah, you're not getting any younger." I do like that Pat Moore in this movie. She doesn't. She again, she's not really given much of a plot line. I don't think she's been given much of a plot line since <coughs> she was going blind in season one. Mm-hmm. But again, bringing it home with all the quips and everything throughout this movie, when they announce that the king and queen are coming, it's like, oh man, that's more work for me. <laughs> and the, the scene uh, where she goes to Mr. Bakewell and he's like, this is the greatest delight of my life. This is my crowning achievement. And she's just sitting there rolling her eyes. Le- Le- Leslie Nichols yeah. deserves the the award for overacting for that, for Pat but Just Moore. right. Just what you need. Though. Oh yeah, yeah. When she walks into the, the closet to see where they put all the food and she's like, how did you get this all in here? So good. Yeah, so I guess we can sort of roll into the royal servants coming in. Mm-hmm. And this this is where the movie really played different for me on a second viewing. Oh, really? So the royal servants come in, and they basically say, this is what we do. We take over. We cook. We're the butlers. We're the footmen. You guys hang in the, in the background. If you need to do anything, do what we tell you, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And the Downton people are like, no. Yeah, they have their expectations and hopes up to actually serve the king and queen. This yeah, Mosley legit says, I'll, I don't need to teach. These kids can take a day off of learning if it means I can serve the king and queen. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is what he he teased in the series finale, that he when the service was needed, he'd, he'd be there to help. And he, he runs. He, yeah. he, sh- he shows up on screen. He's ready to go. I'm glad we shook his hand around this time because... We would not be able to shake his hand now after this oh, movie yeah, he, made him a he's, star. <laughs> he's way too high up the ladder now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's just happy to be there. Uh, he's very excited. And they, they, they kind of make the point in the movie a couple times to say, breathe. Yeah, mostly <laughs> calm down. Do your yoga. Uh, yeah, do, do something. Uh, but, yeah, we get Mr. Wilson from the King and Queen there to, to you know, they're Mr. Carson essentially to tell them, Oh no, we got our people coming. We got Monsieur Corbet. Corbett. Yep. Another <laughs> Julian make sort food. of forgetting if he was writing the Gilded Age or the movie here. Do you think Julian Fellows just likes to make fun of like French people or their accent? I'm in for that if that's what he wants to do. <laughs> okay. 
Because <laughs> I get that drift between this and the Gilded Age, where he just likes to clown on French people. Yeah, I think. French, the French being chef. hoity-toity. <laughs> yeah. Um, stereotype, just stereotypes. He's leaning mm-hmm. into it. He loves, but it. Uh, he's an old man. Let him, let him lean into it. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, Wilson and them put the staff in place. There was even what's her name, Miss Swine, or what's her? <laughs> the, Hughes's equivalent. Yeah, whatever the the seamstress or whatever. I've um, she doesn't even have that many lines. She just looks very stern <laughs> and not having any of it. Mrs. Webb. Yeah, Mrs. Webb. What a name. Yeah, so they're but, they're all there and they're just antagonistic. And the one thing I think from the get, I really don't like how heelish the Downton people are to the royal staff. Hmm. Like the second they're like, oh, we're walking. You're going to walk with us. We got to move. We got to keep this going. We got to keep this going efficiently. And Hughes is like, no, you do things. You need to slow down and show us some respect. It's like they don't. Well, I I don't know. I, I, I would take the down people's side a little bit because this is their home that they've worked in and served in for years and years. And for people to show up suddenly on their turf and tell them how to do their job. I would be absolutely a little bit annoyed. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, like there's no set, there's no breaking point. It, it's like the staff shows up. Well, there is a breaking point. They decide to have a mutiny. <laughs> well, no, you misunderstand what I'm trying to get at. They show mm-hmm. up, and from the get, all the Downton people talk back and disrespect from the beginning. Well, I, I like that. I I, 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 I feel like that. there should be maybe one or two scenes of the Downton people trying to accommodate the royal well, staff. I think it's just them kind of responding to what they're dishing out because from the jump when Wilson gets there, he he just dismisses them pretty much. He doesn't have any patience or time for them. He doesn't think mm-hmm. they're capable of serving him. So I I, I, I just kinda... think a little bit of gradualness to the situation okay. would would make we me... only got two hours with this movie, man. How much can we really <laughs> one more? Not even one more scene. Just rewrite one scene and you can, and that's okay. it. Because I just feel like they're just you know Wilson's like we're doing things this way and they're you know. Hugh, in Carson of all people should should be like everybody get in line and do what you're told but even well, he starts, but you know obviously that changes but Hughes I think he is does like put from, in a good enough effort and yeah I just think that given this plot and given how you know these people do have a connection to other houses it's not like they're not in correspondence with other housekeepers and maids and butlers and other how great houses in the area like they would know this is what happens and they're totally yeah, hoodwinked I, it shouldn't, by it. It shouldn't catch them entirely by surprise, no. Yeah. I'm not again, I'm not saying I'm not entertained by it, but it's one of those things where I feel like I don't sympathize with the, the royal staff, but I also feel like the Downton staff are very quick to snap back. I'm I'm okay with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, it is exactly what it is. I don't I don't dislike it. They're, they're just, a fighting bunch, the yeah, those Downton yeah. crew. So let them scrap. Yeah, so Mrs. Uh, let's just talk about how Mrs. Webb is stealing things. It's not Miss Webb; it's the other woman. Oh, it's not. Yeah, it's not Miss Webb. It's that um, seamstress lady. What's her name? I don't even remember her name. I'm, I'm yeah, uh, Miss Lawton. Yes, Miss Lawton is is st- just pickpocketing, and we see throughout the movie, people are asking where certain things are, which is a Downton plot we've seen before. <laughs> Yeah, she's solely in the movie pretty much to, again, underscore the, the plight of the downstairs and how they kind of have to struggle to make ends meet or, or make a place for themselves and how they resent the rich. 
but this is all another thing that could have been excised from the movie. It adds very little. Yeah, it's like we don't need, we've had this whole show is about classism. We don't need an overt mm-hmm. classism, you know, classist subplot of the haves and the have nots, especially with a royal servant who's probably making the equivalent of like $75,000 today, which is a solid yeah. salary, you know. I, I I do like that the only result of this whole plot line really is Anna telling her you got to sew this dress now and have it done by tomorrow. Yeah. And then the woman complains. Yeah. And then she complains and Anna's like, that's it. Sorry. Must suck. (laughs) Yeah. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See in the next movie. Oh wait, you won't be in the next movie. I will. Bye. Bye. Yeah. And that is that plot line. (laughs) Yeah. But we, so, so all these, the, the downstairs Royal staff are, being pushy and is it missed the Bates has come up with the plan to basically usurp the situation <laughs> as well yeah. as um Tom Barrow and what's the gentleman's name who the, is the other footman the footman of the king yeah um what is his name I know his the actor's name is Max Brown let me just find out what this character's name is it Richard Ellis character Richard Ellis, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there. He is on the side of Team Downton from the get because I think he kind of understands the absurdity absurdity of the situation, mm-hmm. and this plot to sort of allow the Downton staff to serve the king and queen involves multiple situations that would jeopardize all of their careers, let alone the reputation of the house. And their livelihoods, because these are all offenses that could get them put in prison. Yeah. So Barrow and Richard Ellis phone in and tell Mr. Martin, Mr. Wilson, that, you know, half of the staff or the whole, the, as much of the staff as possible has to go to the next location. Mm-hmm. And then from there, Anna drugs the chef. Yeah, she she gives him like sleeping. Uh, she, I forget what she called a sleeping draft. That's what she refers to it. That she put in his, his tea. And and then Andy imprisons Mr. Wilson against his will. Yeah, they they send him to go look at something and just locks him in there. Uh, I almost have to expect have to expect them to forget that he was even in there. <laughs> and then uh, the the they serve the the royalty. It goes off pretty much without a hitch. Until is, until Mosley. Yeah, because uh, the king wants to send his regards to, to Wilson and, and the or Casso, uh, Monsieur Cassette or whatever, <laughs> with, with the stuff. And he he's like, oh, no, no, no. It's uh, Pat Moore and crew. And the whole, I mean, this was the biggest laugh in the whole movie in the oh, theater. Oh, the crowd was going wild. When the whole, like, it just goes silent and, and Mosley realizes the error he's made speaking back to the king. And the king's like, well, tell Miss Patmore good work. Which is a sweet thing. It is nice hearing, you know, oh, you know, he actually said Patmore's name. Yeah. And and um, uh, who is it that apologizes to the king? And it's, it's I think, Cora or something like that. And the king, the queen says, you know, you'd be shocked at how strange people act around us. Yeah. Robert uh, apologizes, I think. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Close. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, 
<laughs> I feel like if Carson actually was the the head butler, he would have sacked <laughs> Mosley afterwards. But Mosley doesn't work there, which is the funny thing. He he can't get fired. He doesn't work there. Yeah, what a what a. I mean, imagine if you're like a 25 year old uh, footman at Downton, and it's like, Mom, this great thing happened. I'm going to be serving the king and queen. And it's like, oh no no, this 60 year old man is coming back, who's a teacher, mm-hmm. and he's just going to do this for one night, and he's going to pull rank, even though he doesn't actually have rank. You know what I've been great is when they were making this whole plot to usurp the the royal staff as if like uh, Hughes or not Hughes um, O'Brien came back. I just remember the just, royal staff. That would be fun. Or, or no, she comes back and joins up with them, and then like a bar of soap slips out of her sleeve. Like I can take care of them. Oh boy, <laughs> I can put them away. She got a knife too, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, she's so- hardened. This, this subplot is very interesting, but I do feel like there's no, you know, I understand that they're like, look, we did it. We, we're really sorry. Mr. Wilson would report this immediately. Yeah. Well, they uh, do do a good job of being like, oh, you know, these, these locks jam. Sorry. You know, there was a prank call. And they're, and they're like, you wouldn't want to tell the king about this because, you know, things. Yeah, could you really... look like idiots. Yeah, but at the same so time, I, think they I don't. Well. I don't think Wilson looks like an idiot. If if a lock jammed and no one came to check on him, yeah. Well, it's all the Downton staff's word against his. So, uh, and who do you think his word means more, <laughs> the King's Butler or the Downton Abbey staff? I don't know. I I, I think it worked out fine enough. <laughs> oh, it did definitely worked out fine enough. But all the down. I mean, this is they would go to jail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed Carson's consternation throughout this whole thing. Like, we're committing treason. <laughs> what are we doing here? That's Down Abbey, too, is, is they all get put in jail, and, and Craig and Durant are in there waiting for them. And I would say Carson does try to give them a little bit of leeway, but the moment he walks into his room and sees Wilson sitting in his chair pouring the oh, wine... Oh, yeah, and that's, and, a, that's a very well-done scene where you think it's Carson doing it, and it's actually Wilson. And he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not even Carson's office anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's Barrow's. Uh, speaking of Barrow. Oh, yeah, Barrow. He, him and uh, and Richard Ellis are getting along swimmingly. Right. Well, So he makes plans with him to go out on the town. but So he goes to a bar and some guy approaches him and says, you want to see real real actions at? Come with me. Mm-hmm. And then they go into a, a another speakeasy type bar, and it's a bunch of men. It's a boys club. Dancing, frolicking, having a good time. I think last time we did this episode, we said people were beatboxing and spinning on their heads and yep. <laughs> and their b-boy sets. Uh, just men doing fun things. It's young men. It's, it, it, you know, it, you could get a good meal. You could have a good time. And hang out with all the boys. Yeah, exactly. And this is this is and, and Barrow's like I have never never seen anything like this in my life. Yeah. Which is a very happy. sweet moment. <laughs> yeah. Which is immediately crushed when the police come in there. Yeah, and and bring him to jail. <laughs> and I remember, I mean, it, there's no tension this time, but I remember watching this the first time. You do start to feel concerned for Barrow. It's like, oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> how does he get out of this one? Richard Ellis. Richard Ellis comes in and he's like, hey, you really want to do this? Because I don't think you do. I don't think you know what you're getting into right now, bud. Yeah, he was just exploring this. You know, he was just, you know, checking out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, gets him out of there. Springs him out. Yeah, name drops Downton Abbey. Name drops the fact that he works for the king and queen. 
Mm-hmm. Barrow gets out, and Barrow's like, holy moly, this is a good time. I didn't know the world yeah. was like this for, for people like us. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, and then we but see, it's sweet, because they have a real connection. Yeah, and we see there's a moment at the end where, you know, the dust is settling, and, and Barrow is like, smooch. hey, will we ever, you know, can we write to each other? And and he gives him a kiss. It's so nice. Yeah, and and then who is it? Andy shows up or whatever. And oh, like, Andy almost walks in. That's another situation that would have been terrible. Well, it could have been terrible. Andy would like, can I get in on this? My girl's not giving me anything. I need something. Barrow would be like, I, tr- I tried that before, man. You didn't want none of it. Well, I need something now because Daisy's not giving it. <laughs> All right, come on in, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, good for good for Barrow. Yeah, I mean, you know? we know that Barrow's no stranger to this situation, as him and the Duke had a fling of sorts. But it is good to know that he can do something that's not so nefarious. Yeah, and also a good day off for him. You know? Oh yeah, you, great you day would, off. You would think he would have nothing to do, but he got something to do. He found something to do, and hopefully next time Excellent. he doesn't wind up in jail. Hopefully. <laughs> if there is a next time, would you go back if that was you? No. Maybe I would go I mean, to that well, first bar and see where people were going after. I wouldn't. Yeah. I try to remember the faces, but it. yeah, no way am I going back to. Is your first time you, you get arrested? No, no, no. I got to find me a different bar. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea. I like the scene, but maybe, maybe I'll go to a house party next time instead. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the way to do it. Uh, what else is going on upstairs? Well, we we see after you know the royals leave, uh, Moses like, man, I made a clown of myself, and Baxter's like, you're never a clown to me. And then they just smile at each other. They say, we'll see you next time on Downton Abbey, the film. Yeah, we'll kiss next time. Barrow gets a kiss, not mostly with Baxter. Yeah, Barrow and Branson, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, barely get much with Bates and Anna to, to hang her hat on. And that's really one of the biggest disappointments of the movie, I think, is just the lack of Bates. Yeah, we see baby Bates. We see Anna does the yeah. thing with the pilferer, mm-hmm. and that's really it. I think we see Bates hold the the child, and it's like, oh man, he's got he's got the strength like yeah, we were talking about. Strength. He's been lifting that baby. He got one good arm that he's doing doing the lifting. Yeah. One. Um, but man, I, I hope there's more for them in the next movie. I, wish I hope so something. too. I, I feel like splitting the crew up is a good way to sort of, you know, it's like pro wrestling. You split the roster now, more people get more time. And I, I think we've talked about this in the podcast before, but Brendan Coyle, you know, he has some off the set, uh, you know, drinking behavior that he likes to partake in and stuff. And I don't know. He doesn't seem like he's always just like checked in. Know. Yeah. A he doesn't bit. seem is like Downton is he cares for Downton the way that we care for him in Downton. Right. I, I don't think it's like unintentional how unintentional how his storylines became diminished mm-hmm. <laughs> over the course of the show. Uh, so I'm just thinking that here, but it is, you just hope for more. Bakewell gets more to say than him. Yeah. The fact that Bakewell gets like two scenes is mm-hmm. too much. Yeah. Or Andy even. I don't know. Yeah. But how, oh, so, so we, this is our second viewing. How did it compare to the first one for you, Corey? It's different. I mean, the, I mean, the first time it felt very much like a movie. Like mm-hmm. just going to the theater, seeing this whole thing. This time, it felt just more of a piece with the TV show. It felt like I was watching an extended episode that looked really nice. Yeah, and even I when agree. the movie ended, it automatically filtered into just the first episode of <laughs> Downton Abbey altogether. It's like, oh man, mm, okay. Start well, all and over. Also, we we did skip over the fact that this movie does end with 
Carson and Hughes walking away from Downton. It's a yeah. very sweet moment that I think is a, a good good indicator of who the good real you know it. heroes are. Yeah, where they where they're like, well, Downton will be here for a hundred years from now. Yeah, I yeah, guess I so. we'll find out. Yeah. So. Yeah, how about you, Dave? How how did you feel this time with the movie? I think the hype the hype not being there made it a much simpler watch. Mm-hmm. And without and and I was never one to watch Downton with a crowd, so like the, watching the movie in the theater with people laughing and all that stuff was was certainly a one of a kind experience. It was nice, and the, the concern for the Dowager too when she mm-hmm. gave her speech about like I'm not going to be around for the next movie unless they pay me. Yeah, bring back and, up the truck into my driveway. Yeah. It made me laugh this time the way they so delicately delicately handle that conversation of like I don't have long to live. They didn't say when. <laughs> it just just yeah, trust knows? is not that long. Could be yeah. movie two. Could be movie three. Maybe movie four. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think it still hangs together. I think oh, this yeah, is it's, a, a f- it's it's fun. formidable. It's a good experience. Yeah. But especially during our conversation here, there is a bit of diminishing returns in terms of just like, uh, you know, satisfying time with, especially mm-hmm. the above what characters. Rob, what, is, what does Robert do? What does Cora do? What does Mrs. Hughes do? I feel like there's but, a lot of characters who don't have much. Yeah. The one thing though, I, I, again, just going back to like the economy of this film that I very much appreciated this time is just, it moves though. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing the show did well, but you can tell with like the director here who has done some Down Abbey episodes, but, you're in the hands of a pro here. He keeps the, the stories like moving along. It's a well-oiled engine. You're not ever bored for a second. Mm-hmm. So like, even though there's like a bit of slightness uh, to some of the stories, you don't really feel it too much in the moment, you know? Yeah. It's I agree. only afterwards when you're thinking about it. So it goes down so smooth. Indeed. Yeah. But power rankings, Let's we, do we it. got them. Well, who's going down for you, Dave? Well, number three, I got Violet. Really? The Dowager. She's on her way out, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like considering she is the humor, and, and, and she does have a handful of quips in this one, um, she's kind of proven wrong. She's carried this family grudge for years about Blagshaw just to find out that it's something that she's dealt with firsthand with her own granddaughter. It's a real moment of shame for her, and I think it's it. Not to say she doesn't grow from that experience, but it's she. She. It's it's definitely a down moment for her. Mm-hmm. Like, all, imagine sure. I mean, all this time I wasted being upset at, at Lady Bagshaw just to find out that it was she wasn't right. Like, she always says, "Is this is it the movie or is it the finale where she says I don't I don't argue I just like state facts or you know one of her quips basically says I'm yeah. always right and here she's not so." Yeah. Who do you got at number three? Major Chetwood. This guy <laughs> messes up his entire plan from the jump, trying to bring in Branson. Yeah, Actually, Branson if he never even, that. if he never tried to bring Branson into the fold, he probably could have succeeded. He had the gun. He oh, was yeah, absolutely. Right at, he would have killed the king. What was this guy thinking? This terrible, terrible planning. Terrible. And it was so easy. <laughs> There's no guards either. What does he think he's going to get away with it? Like, yeah. Anyways, yeah, number three. You, did, you you showed up. You didn't do what you did, were supposed to do. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Who's number two for you, Dave? I got Robert at number two. Okay. Because I think this is a, uh, this movie really does a good job of sh- showing that Robert's grasp on Downton is fleeting. Okay. This yeah. is not his house anymore. 
and even when they bring up the whole discussion of the inheritance, he's kind of just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, if I get the money, I get the money. If I don't, I don't really care. Yeah, like he he is a pawn for his mm-hmm. mother trying to get him more money, but then his own mother goes and tells his daughter, like, this is your world now. Take it, you know, grab it and go. And Robert is yeah. definitely never felt less like uh, the patriarch and the breadwinner than he does in this one. There is one moment I love, though, is, is when Mary tells him, oh, yeah, Bar- <clears throat> Barrow is going to you know, take a s- seat uh, to uh, Carson here. And she's Robert's like, did you tell uh, Barrow? No. And then Barrow walks in. He's like, "Oh no, what am I supposed to do?" Here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you make me <laughs> just do a classic, now? a classic head swivel from Robert of just like, "Oh, oh God, <laughs> come on, thanks, Mary." Well, who do you got at number uh, two? Wilson and the Majesty staff—they completely got put away in the in the closets and stuff, and just got shown up by Downton. All right, da- okay. Suck, sucks to be them. <laughs> Spoiler alert: the evil servants are my number one because there you go. They get poisoned. And imprisoned yeah. and yeah. sent up on the train to London for no reason. And does it really even re- re- resolve with the Tony Selleck character, really, between him and Daisy? Well, he's not an evil servant, so I don't... No, but that whole there. thing just doesn't go... Well, he no, just yeah, he's, just he's, disappears. he's there to make Andy act like a Jealous. man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's fair. They're the villains of the movie, and they, they lose. Uh, but for me... <laughs> Number one is the Dowager because okay. she, she she's gonna die and then she loses the whole uh, lady uh, Bagshaw what's her face? Bagshaw uh, you know fight and she's just there to make some quips. Dowager's on the way out, man. Time to buy stock and more characters. Absolutely, <laughs> I'd buy, I'd buy low about, on the Dowager after movie one, going into movie two. Oh, that's that's smart because she may stick around. Who knows? She may not uh, die. Uh, spoiler alert: She's not dead in movie two. Not yet, uh, based on the trailers. Uh, Isabel looks great, though. By the way, she yeah, good, thriving. good, uh, good wig job for her. If that's not her great real tan hair. too, yeah. fantastic tan. Uh, Penelope uh, Willen. Yep, she's looking great. Great job. Yeah. So who do you got going up, Corey? Well, number three, I got Barrow. Okay. The the guy has found some bars that he can go to. He's found a, a friend that he can re- maybe write once in a while. Good for him. Yeah. And I stay out. Yeah. The only way they could have made it better is when they were trying to book him in the police station if it was Sergeant Willis who was the one to do it. He's That's like, the only uh, 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 I don't thing like they could have done there. He, the guy even looked like Willis a little bit. He was portly they and no, they had gray hair. They could not have had Willis do that because they would have turned us on Willis. We don't want that. Right. <laughs> we don't want to turn on Willis. What are you talking about, Willis? Uh, that's what the, the Barrow would have said if he tried to book him. Uh, well, who's number three for you, Dave? Well, if, if if the evil servants had the worst week, I think Team Downton had the number three best. So that would be the sort of Hughes, Anna, Bates, Baxter, mm-hmm. Molesley. Because they're just the inverse of... What happened to the bad guys? They get things their way. Yeah. They win. They get to serve the king and queen. I would put them higher if they did more than serve dinner to the king and queen. It's fair, <laughs> but they definitely came out on top. They absolutely. They, I mean, the you know they ate the food of Mister Bagwell. Uh, that's true. <laughs> and that's the only thing. Bagwell, you know, his should, be Bagwell should show up on the rankings. Absolutely honorary ranking. Uh, number two. It's Mary. Okay. She she is, you know, going to be owning down. 
we didn't doubt this leaving the show, but they reaffirm it here with mm-hmm. Anna giving that sweet speech to her. Dowger saying, you own this. Who cares about Edith being richer than you? Edith is still Edith. You're Mary. Yeah. You got this. So good for her. And the whole scene with the chairs in the rain is a very Great. good scene of, of Mary taking, taking charge. Action. Yeah. Not, not not waiting on this Talbot fool to show up. Yeah. I, th- I have a feeling that's yeah. going to be a big plot in movie two, but we'll see. We'll, see. we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Um, and number two, I got Tom Barrow because okay. not only did he do everything you said, he also stood up to his boss and his own integrity. That's true. Which is a huge move for him because he's always been so sniveling. He would, mm-hmm. he does so, he respectfully shows that he has a backbone and everything that yeah. you said. He meets a nice guy. He gets a little smooch. Uh, he goes to dancing. He, he sees Fantastic a, haircut in this movie, by the way. Oh, he great, looks great looking here. He, I, I kept thinking every time he was on screen in this movie, like, Where's his, where's his Marvel bag or his DC bag? He's tailor made yeah. to be a bad guy in one of these movies, or at least like what's it? Walton Goggins and Ant Man too. Like he's I think perfect. we've seen enough Rob James Collier's uh, catalog outside of Downton to know that he just has a bad agent potentially. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Don't show um, don't show Ke- Kevin Feige uh, Christmas star. <laughs> yeah, and if listeners, if you're interested, we have a Patreon where we've talked about a couple of Rob James Collier's work. So. That's out there. But I, I, I think he's got. I, I think he's a oh, like yeah. he's great got character actor. He's got the look. He's got the physique. He's, he's mm-hmm. perfect for it. I just wish he got more sure. roles. Number one, though, going up. Somebody else is clear. Be getting more roles. It's clear cut. It's. I don't think there's anyone else who walks away looking better in this movie than Tom Branson. It's Branson. It's a, it, a thousand times. He walks away with this movie. It, it was astonishing in the moment. And it's astonishing to watch it again, the way Julian just heaps just positive beats for this guy throughout the movie. He, he mm-hmm. saves the king. He turns Princess Mary's life around. He gets the girl at the end of the movie. Everyone's happy to see him around. His business, business is booming. Business is booming. This guy is like shooting threes. He's putting up a triple-double. You can't stop him. You can't. He, he's blocking everyone this guy is the mvp uh, tom branson it, it's incredible this is the energy that dan stevens would have gotten if he just stuck around but it's all going to alan leach baby he's in he's in and even then you watch the press junkets around this this movie around that time he's just drinking on talk shows having a good time he's owning it man alan leach coming in <laughs> alan leach tom is the branson. man not tom branson alan leach they're synonymous they're one in the same Alan Leach on IMDb. One, two, three, four. He's, uh, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seventh build. Wow. Well, actually, number no, one. this is an order of appearance. Is this an order of appearance? Because Major Chetwood is number one. Yeah, so definitely not <laughs> accurate. I take the back everything that I said. Yeah. Alan Leach, 41 years old. Hmm. Yeah, man. Looking uh, great. He, he got about shape. to enter a good phase. Yeah, man. Well, that's the. Uh, that's the first movie, a second time. Mm-hmm. I look forward to watching this for a third time when the third movie comes out. Maybe in the between, now that I know that I don't have to sort of hold this on. This is a very easy movie yeah. to watch. Oh, yeah. It's funny because you look at the scores for this movie, and I think uh, it has 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 64 on Metacritic. Mm-hmm. What are these movie critics even doing reviewing something like Down? It's a, it's for the fans. It's not for like you movie critics or anything like that. And if you're coming into this not having seen the Down Abbey TV show, what are you doing with your life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just go yeah. watch the show. 
it's it's yeah it's good it's good and it's it's it is absolute fan service yeah so on that note i think that's it i mean usually we wrap this up saying david if you've been watching anything else but it's been a day since we last uh, talked about that i watched the downton abbey movie <laughs> that that's about it and that's all all right <laughs> deep diving in downton and just drinking that that two liter of of <laughs> downton abbey goodness yep and only i mean now we're sort of in preview mode. So next week we're going to be back with some mm-hmm. predictions, some thoughts, some some questions for the movie too. So yeah, it's exciting. It'll be great for people who have seen the movie to hear how wrong we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all like all the people who listen, listen to us watch Polark or listen. Exactly. Yeah, they know exactly that we're just sort of speculating. So we're going to do that. Yep. So. Until then, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email us at lordsgrantham at gmail.com. We have uh, our backlog of podcasts on our own website through Podbean, Lords of Grantham. And if you so choose, you can leave us a five-star rating review on uh, iTunes and Spotify. And we have a Patreon as well where we still throw episodes on there about once a month. Yeah, we have monthly bonuses if we're going. I know this month we've been busy with this movie, so hopefully we'll be right back on track soon yeah and we will catch you next time on the lords of grantham podcast hey.